It's Sunday, July the 7th. I'm Eric Sorensen, and you're listening to the West Block Podcast. On the show this week, breaking down barriers. Premiers gather in Saskatoon on Tuesday for the last time before the federal fall election. Will there be consensus or controversy on trade, energy, and health care? Plus, close to 60 MPs will not seek re-election in October. We'll ask a Conservative, a Liberal, and a New Democrat why they're leaving. And Hill Hobbies. Our summer series takes a glimpse at what MPs are up to when they're not on Parliament Hill. This week, a musical interlude with Liberal MP Marco Mendicino. Well, July is here, but there's no vacation for politics this summer. We are only three months from a federal election and just two days from a gathering of premiers, many spoiling for a fight with Ottawa. That sounds familiar, but how times have changed. Cast your mind back to July 2015, the last time that premiers met before an October federal election. What's different? Well, first of all, there were women premiers then. There's not one anywhere in the country today. And almost everyone here is gone, mostly liberals. One liberal still standing from this picture, Premier McNeil of Nova Scotia. And joining us now from Halifax, Nova Scotia Premier Stephen McNeil. Uh, Mr. McNeil, you haven't aged a day from those pictures four years ago. Um, let me ask you, which, no, one of us, which one of us is the politician? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Liberal premiers back then had a Conservative Prime Minister in their crosshairs. This week in Saskatoon, it'll be the other way around. Hardly any Liberal governments left. Your poll numbers are down. The Federal Liberals are down. What, what, what is wrong with the Liberal Party these days, do you think? Well, I'm grateful for Nova Scotians to give me an opportunity to have a uh, second majority government here in our province to continue to build the momentum that we've been able to do and turn the economy around, grow our population, uh, retain more young people. Uh, but I believe this first minister's meeting will be like the one four years ago. Uh, it won't just be focused on uh, the current prime minister. It will be uh, any issues that we have. We'll ask all federal leaders uh, where their stance are as they're heading into a federal election campaign. Do you have a sense, though, why Liberals have fallen out of favor over the last few years? I think if you look across the country, uh, the electorate is volatile. There's no question about it. <clears throat> We've seen, uh, regardless of the political stripe, uh, in, the, in that last six years, we've seen successive governments uh, uh, fall in different provinces, uh, both conservative, new democrat, and liberal governments. I don't think it's a particular political stripe. Uh, I think the fact of the matter is uh, we're now moving in a different direction in some provinces. Uh, Their citizens have chosen a new government. Uh, but when it comes to the first minister's meeting and uh, that will take place in Saskatoon, it will be a focus on not just the federal liberal government. It will be about where will all the other federal leaders stand when it comes to universal health care or the investments in health care. Uh, how do we continue to take down uh, uh, barriers, labor mobility? Uh, how can we help grow the economy? In healthcare, one of the uh, the issues there, I don't want to say it's a crisis across Canada, but there have been shortages. You've had problems with, say, anesthesiologists in Yarmouth, but across the country there aren't enough doctors, it seems, family doctors, to go around. What's the prescription as far as you're concerned? Well, it's, it's a global situation. It's not unique just to Canada, but I think one of the things is continuing to move towards a new delivery model, one where we continue to build... Uh, collaborative care centers where uh, not only do we have family physicians as part of that, uh, nurse practitioners, uh, family practice nurses are part of that. Uh, how do we continue to build centers of excellence within inside of our province to ensure the efficiency of, of access uh, to uh, surgical times uh, and ensuring uh, that we have a, a very similar standard across uh, the country. 
one of the things, though, that we continue to do is making sure that the accreditation that's taking place uh, for anesthesia or any other specialty in one province is recognized in others uh, so that uh, we continue to get uh, the mobility of uh, our workforce uh, and those who uh, can practice in the particular province they want to, to, want to live in. Uh, another file item, of course, is energy, and there are interprovincial splits when it comes to pipelines. Uh, there's, there are carbon taxes. Uh, where do you see progress being made on that file? Well, I, it's my hope, certainly, that we continue to move forward to have an energy corridor, whether it is a pipeline conversation or hydroelectricity. Uh, we need to share our resources with Canadians, in my view. Uh, the fact that, that to get our resources uh, to each coast makes a whole lot of sense. It broadens our customer base uh, to be able to make sure that we get the maximum value of those resources, uh, at the same time sharing them with, uh, with each other in each province. Premiers have been talking about that for, year, for decades, really, to break down those barriers. There's been some success. Where do you see the next maybe breakthrough in trying to uh, make it easier for interprovincial trade? Well, listen, it's critical. Uh, I've been a proponent of this uh, from the very beginning. Uh, we're signing deals with Europe, uh, with the U.S., uh, and we have these barriers inside of Canada. Uh, we need to continue to take down those barriers. We've, uh, we've uh, improved that when it comes to labor mobility, ensuring that training uh, is recognized in our respective provinces uh, to allow uh, many of our global companies to work in, uh, across provincial borders. Uh, at the same time, uh, when it comes to uh, the healthcare accreditation that I spoke to you earlier about, we need to make sure that we allow that mobility to take place, uh, but also just taking down uh, the restrictions when it comes to the movement of goods and services. Uh, with every barrier that we put in place, it makes it more difficult for economic growth. Uh, the sooner that we can take down these barriers, the better off we are. I want to ask you about something else, and that's China. Um, Nova Scotia has strong trade ties with China, lobsters, etc. You have been there seven times. The outgoing uh, ambassador to Canada from China visited with you. He had been harshly critical of this country, then he seemed to back off of that. What do you see as, I mean, with your experience in you visiting there several times, is there anything that you see that you could offer to try to bridge the divide that has occurred now between China and Canada? Well, we need to continue the conversation. There's no question uh, that China believes uh, that uh, Canada is in the middle of a fight between the U.S. and China. Uh, they have a hard time understanding uh, why we're there. I think uh, the fact that we need to continue uh, to demonstrate to them uh, why uh, the federal government is part of this, uh, why they become part of this. Uh, but from a provincial point of view, uh, my role has been and will continue to be to ensure that I go in to uh, continue to open up the lines of communication, continue to, to the dialogue, continue to build on the work that we've been doing over the last uh, uh, six years now. Uh, it is an important trading partner uh, to us. And it has always been my belief uh, that uh, the best way uh, to solve our differences, uh, whether it's with China or other jurisdictions, is through dialogue, uh, <clears throat> not, uh, not protectionism. Uh, but to go in, uh, continue to work uh, to try to find a solution to the challenges facing uh, both of our countries right now. All right, Premier McNeil in Halifax, thank you for joining us. With the election looming, MPs are preparing to defend themselves against a new slate of candidates who want their jobs. But some are stepping away from the fight and putting life here behind them. To talk about why and what's next, we're joined by Conservative Guy Lozon, Liberal Frank Bayliss, and Finn Donnelly of the NDP. So, gentlemen, uh, the question for all of you is why now? And I'll start here in studio with you, Guy. You're 75. Is, is it any more complicated than that? <laughs> well, I'm 75 years old with lots, lots of, of energy. energy. 
But you know, this is an all-consuming job, Eric, and uh, you have to sign on for four years. So I had to uh, think about, am I going to have the energy in four years' time that I have yeah. now? And my wife, my loyal wife, has been beside me for 15 years, and it's time to spend a little time in Florida. Yeah, that's, that <laughs> that sounds good, I think, to all of us. Uh, Frank Bayless, uh, you and Finn Donnelly are more in a mid-career stage, but you're leaving after just one term uh, in a relatively safe Montreal riding. It, it, is, it, is it a case of you tried it and you didn't like it much? Well, you know... You, Many things come together when you make a decision like this. Uh, like Guy, my wife would like to see a bit more of me. That's one. My business partner would like me to come back and help a bit more of my business. And also, I was not happy with some of the things in Ottawa, the way the, the debates take place and lack of um, what I call constructive debate, maybe a lack of civility and respect too. So I, I, all these things came together for me and I thought, you know, maybe I'll just take a step back. Uh, Finn Donnelly out in uh, Port Moody, Coquitlam. Uh, you came in just ahead of the NDP's, you could call it a rogue wave, in, uh, in, uh, in 2011. Now one-third of your caucus is leaving. Are you getting out because the best days for this party are behind them, at least for now? Uh, no, not at all, Eric. I'm, uh, first of all, it's been an absolute honor to serve. For me, it's been a decade, uh, 17 years, uh, if you include local politics. I've uh, loved it. I've, I've uh, you know, served uh, and enjoyed being a, a part of uh, the, in the nation's capital, and uh, you know I wouldn't uh, change a minute of it. And, and I'm very hopeful for our party going forward. Um, like my colleagues, I, I definitely would like to spend more time with my wife and uh, and and family. And I think that's a, a as as they've expressed a tough thing on of this job. But I'm really looking forward to transitioning back and and focusing on the Fraser Watershed Initiative, which is my passion and why I got into politics in the first place. You all mentioned family. I think that a lot of Canadians don't realize the degree to which family is affected by jobs that are as all-consuming as this. So in whatever you're going to do next, uh, was your experience in Parliament something that can be useful going forward? Guy, I think of you, there's just all the contacts and people you've come to know over the years. Uh, the writing of Stormont Dundas and South Glengarry has been so good to me, Eric, and I Francis and I think we've made probably a thousand friends and, and real friends, you know, people that, that, that we, we can spend and we can visit, we can spend time with. Uh, so I think there'll be a lot of that, a lot of the, I, I, love, uh, I love people and uh, so I'm sure that we'll be spending a lot of time. We, we used to do the, uh, the parish supper circuit uh, quite frequently and I'm sure that'll continue and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to spend a little more time with each of our friends, and that's really, really important to both of us. Uh, Frank, uh, you, you seem to be a man for all seasons uh, with medical technology business, film production, acting. Uh, do four years in politics redirect your career in any way? <laughs> well, as, as was mentioned by Finn and others, first of all, what an honor. So I, I was such an honor to have that experience, and I think I've learned a lot from it. I've, and as Guy pointed out, I've made a lot of friends, a lot of contacts uh, around the riding, absolutely, but also across the country and in many parties as well, not just the Liberal Party, but in the NDP and the Conservative and Green Party as well, too. So I'm going to look to keep up those contacts and build on that friendships, those friendships. Finn, uh, you, you were here for about 10 years. Um, is this a springboard to something else? And I use the word springboard knowing that you were a marathon swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely I'm returning to my passion, which was the environment. That's what got me into politics. And um, it, I have served 10 years and I've learned a lot, especially in the last two years specifically. We've been trying to create 
a $500 million watershed restoration fund specifically to restore the Fraser, one of the greatest salmon rivers on the planet. Uh, but it's in trouble. Things are changing rapidly in Canada and uh, we need to restore and move towards a restoration economy. So I'm very much looking forward to transitioning uh, my work and what I've learned in the nation's capital to focus on those efforts right here in British Columbia and on one of the most amazing watersheds uh, on the planet really. So that, that is going to take a lot of time, energy and focus and definitely what I've learned in Ottawa can be applied here. But, but like Frank and Guy, I've made a, a ton of friends. Uh, I've made uh, friends in the riding, but also across parties and, and certainly with uh, talking to ministers, uh, this job allows you access, which is incredible. So I'm, I'm going to continue to uh, use that after October 21st. I want, I want to ask each of you just uh, the wisdom that comes now that you're stepping away from being here. Uh, what would you leave your colleagues who are going to carry the fight forward, uh, Guy? Well, you know, I tell you, take this job. This is such an honor, such a privilege. You know, there's only 338 of us allowed to sit in that House of Commons. That's out of 35 million Canadians. So that's the honor that is bestowed on you when you when you're elected. And uh, you know, um, uh, when I walk up from the when I stand at the eternal flame and I look up at this, this is this is my workplace. You come into this building. This is your workplace. But the Parliament of Canada is my workplace. Yeah. What an honor. Yes, I'll bet. And I, I, I suggest to them that they just treated it as that, as an honor. And yet, Frank, you, uh, you indicated off the top there that, uh, that some of the way that debate unfolds here, and it's not anything new to these last four years. It's been around long enough to see a lot of that. Uh, do you have any sort of parting thoughts when it comes to, you know, the partisanship, uh, whether that's just a necessary evil, or is there something we can do with less of that? I think we could do it a lot less of it, and I don't think it's necessary at all. In fact, I believe that the rate of change that's happening in the world right now, we can no longer permit ourselves to be so unproductive and have such meaningless debates. So I would encourage anybody new coming in not to come in and just accept the status quo and say, well, that's how it is, that's how it's always going to be. It doesn't have to be like that. And there really are amazing minds on all parties that could really contribute to making Canada a much better place. And I'd love to see us. What I was trying to do is promote a lot more uh, collaboration instead of confrontation. I really think that's something that's needed. Uh, Finn, you're not long in the tooth, but uh, I would think with 10 years behind you, you would have some wisdom perhaps or any pearls of wisdom for, uh, for your colleagues. Absolutely. One thing that uh, is very noted is while you're here, it's, a, it's an honor to serve in, in Ottawa, however it goes fast. So if you have a particular passion or focus, you need to work on that quickly the minute you get uh, elected and take office because before you know it, you're going to be looking at uh, either another election uh, or a, a term behind you. So, you, you know, while, it's, while you're there, take advantage of it. I'm, that's the advice I'm giving Benita Zarello, who's uh, the city councillor, who's I'm hoping to replace me in the fall. Um, and that's the advice I got from Don Black when uh, she uh, passed on advice to me when I when I took over in 2009. So, uh, and other colleagues, uh, you know, when I, I talk with them, that we just realize how even 10 years is a blink of an eye. Um, I was fortunate to get uh, some legislation passed uh, in the Fisheries Act just recently, and uh, it, it was a okay. great way to go out. Legacy uh, banning shark fins uh, from coming into Canada. I know that's something Frank supported, uh, which I appreciate, and others. Uh, support that you have to be very focused and passionate and and uh, really work hard and fast to get if if there's a particular issue you want you have to 
get that through fast because it goes quickly. The years go by quickly and, uh, and so does this segment. <laughs> uh, Finn Donnelly and uh, Guy Lozon and Frank Bayless, thank you and uh, good luck to you all. Our ears are attuned to the discord on Parliament Hill, but in this week's installment of Hill Hobbies, we found harmony in the music of melodious MP Marco Mendicino. Good to see you. Good to see you. Sounds great. Just warming up. <laughs> what does it feel like to kind of sit down and have this in front of you? Um, I feel at home. I feel uh, centered. There's a, a, a special place in in uh, in me. I think for for piano and for music. So when I sit down at the piano, I I kind of feel like I'm. I'm getting back in tune with myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it reminded me, like sometimes I have a baseball and I'll pick it up and it just transports me back to when I was young, the, the feel of it, the strings, et cetera. And, and I had that sense that as you stepped up, it was like, ah, yes, I can be transported to this world that I love. Absolutely. And, you know, work can be tough and it can be challenging. And it's those, it's in those moments where I come back to piano and I come back to music and you're, you're absolutely right. I, I find myself kind of doing the same routine. I sit down, um, I'll open up the piano um, and close my eyes and just play what's, what's on my mind. Uh, sometimes that's classical, sometimes that's Bach. I, I like to play Bach when, you know, I'm working problems out in my, in my head. Uh, Bach is, is very mathematical. Mm. You know, his fugues are very structured. It's funny, when I was younger, uh, Beethoven really appealed to me a lot more because of his emotional uh, grab of the, of, the, of the audience and the listener. And as I have made my way through different stages of life, I have found myself uh, drawn more to, to, to Bach. You know, I've been playing a lot of Disney these days because my daughters are, uh, well, they're, it's funny, they're picking up some of the piano through ear. It, four, four years ago, it was Frozen, which was the big movie mm -hmm. of the day, but um, so, you know, I don't know if I can still. And can you tell if they are being drawn to the piano because of what you're able to do with it? Well, I, th I think they're drawn to the piano because of the music uh, that they recognize. But there must be something that they're also seeing dad doing something pretty interesting looking. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's some of that, although I got to tell you, um, I think as they're getting older, I'm getting less and less cool. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's so like, it's almost like I'm a jukebox and when they want me to play, then I play, and when, when they want me to just go away, I'm sort of told, okay, Dad, like, yeah. that's enough. Do you remember when you first saw a piano? I think I used to drive my parents crazy because I would drive, I probably still do a little bit, uh, but um, I used to sing in the back seat of the car, and I think they recognized that I had uh, pitch and tune. Yes. And my mom, who, was, uh, who liked to, to sing as well when she was young, I think immediately recognized that 
I might be good at uh, an instrument. And she just said, you know, would you be interested in playing piano? And without skipping a beat, I said, yes. So That's I started taking piano lessons uh, when I was about uh, four or five and I think that they could see that like a sponge I was taking the lessons well and then that's what brought me here that's what brought me to the choir school you had to audition you had to be tested and so I spent a good chunk of my childhood right in this building here and it is a bit of a time warp but it's also uh, it's also really neat to come back to this space because it you know it Piano has been with me and music has been with me for just about all of my life. Most of us are used to just going to a, you know, elementary school and it's pretty standard in a classroom. How different an experience was it for you to be taught here? Well, first of all, music is, is completely integrated into the curriculum. So you take piano lessons at least twice a week. You practice choral every day. You had to learn how to be disciplined about it, that, that, that learning a, a complex piece uh, classical piece required diligence and it required effort it required mental focus and some of those skills have been very transfer uh, transferable into other uh, walks of life in, in my career as a lawyer and now as a, as a member of parliament and and so you know overcoming some of the fears of performing in front of people which I had to do when I was at the choir school uh, is is something that I think has helped instilled some confidence in me as time has gone on and just you know music people relate to music people uh, you know I, I've met very few people in my life who uh, who for whom you know music does not re resonate. Is there um, anything about the discord that you hear in Parliament and how that's so out of sync with what you do at the piano or, or do you feel that there's just it's not relatable? Well, I think, you know, if there's one thing that tends to help bridge partisan divide, it's music. And, you know, I've actually participated in some uh, fundraising efforts with my uh, friends across the aisle. And that's really when I'm having the most fun is uh, when I get to, when we all get to sort of put away the, the sort of adversarialness and, and just kind of remember that we're all here to achieve the same thing, which is to build a better country. Is it uh, for you when you're playing for in front of other people, is it, is it about the music or is, is there an entertaining thing that you like to enthrall people? I think, yes, I mean, it's taken some time for me to get to that stage. I think initially music was actually a pretty, it was a pretty uh, individual thing for me. Over time, I think it's become as equally about performing for others. Um, I still get anxious, like I'm, a, I, like I'm anxious, you know, having to do this in front of some cameras and in front of you, to be honest, but I... Me too. Which so. fingers for this note? Middle finger, first finger? You can use your middle finger, yeah. so. You sure? Yeah. Wanna try that? Okay, it, I get up to here, and then I gotta switch the, to the middle again. Right? Yeah, that's right. And then just follow your fingers. There you go. You ready? Yeah, maybe. You're gonna do great. You got this.
it. Yay, way to go. How much do you play now? Do you get the chance? I try to play as often as I can, and it will really depend on the day. But there, it, when I'm at in Ottawa, uh, I am fortunate in that there's a hotel that I stay at, and there's a piano there, and they're fantastic. They, they let me play it whenever whenever I want, and it's usually like late at night. It's usually 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and I'll just go up there and I will play for a half hour or sometimes two hours. And really? Yeah, and I'll just uh, keep playing and playing until I kind of feel back in tune. And you look over your shoulder and discover people have gathered? <laughs> that has happened on occasion, much to my surprise. Uh, but uh, there have been a couple of occasions where colleagues have managed to track me down and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's fine. I mean, I, I enjoy playing with them, yeah. but it's kind of like this little uh, space that I try to reserve for myself. So some other pieces that I know folks like, like when my friends say, well, what, you know, can you yeah. play um, Elton John? Like one piece I okay. know that I like Elton people John. like is Tiny Dancer, <laughs> so. We've had some sing-alongs. Well, I, I envy you that you have this because it's a lifelong thing. You know, the, some of the pursuits you have, if you're like at sports or what have you, you kind of lose some of that. But this is staying with you, and it feels like it's something that will be with you forever. Yeah, and now you and I will have this interview forever and duetting <laughs> a little heart and soul. <laughs> so right. you, you get to take this I little may, piece. I'm going to take lessons with you. now. You should. You'd be great at it. <laughs> You'd be great. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Eric Sorensen for the West Block.